The way I like to think about pursuing any type of goal in life, whether it's starting a business, making your first hundred thousand dollars, making a million dollars, whether it's losing hundred pounds, whether it's losing 30 pounds, whatever it is. I feel like when we set these big goals for ourselves, it feels like you're standing at the base of the mountain and you're looking up from the base at the peak that just seems so impossibly far away, right? And you're standing there thinking, there is no way in heck that I have the strength, the endurance to ever make it to the top. It feels impossible. And sometimes to make it worse, not only is it this huge daunting mountain, but there's also this cloud of fog that's covering the mountain. So not only does the tippy top feel so far away, but when we look at how to get there, we can't even see it. It's unclear. It's clouded. It's foggy. We aren't even sure what the steps are going to take. And I think that that in itself stops so many of us in our tracks and stops us from even pursuing or even attempting to get closer to the goal because it feels too big. But what I understand about the fog is that if you bring your gaze down from the peak, bring your gaze down from wherever that big goal is and look at where your feet are planted. All you need to know is what the next step is. Because if you take one step into the fog, you can see just enough to see where your next foot's going to land. And then you can see just enough to see where your next foot's going to land. And really when it comes to making big changes and transforming your life in whatever way that is, all you need to know is where that next foot is going to land to get started. Above the Bar Copy, a podcast for online business owners who want to break the rules, go beyond the normal standard marketing trends, and create fire sales copy that not only generates leads, but leaves a larger positive impact on the world. I'm your host, Jenny Roth. I'm an email, sales page, and website copywriter, mom to three daughters, and online business owner living in the rural Midwest. My goal for every episode is that you'll walk away with tips, ideas, and confidence to take your sales copy above the bar. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Above the Bar Copy Podcast. I am so excited for this episode. It's different from any other interview or episode we've done so far, but it's on a topic that is so close to my heart with a person who I've just come to admire um, so much since finding her online. So Kaya Twistleman Burchett, better known as Coach Kaya, is a California cattle rancher turned motivational speaker, life coach, and podcaster on a mission to empower others to love themselves deeper, care for themselves better, and find joy in this messy, beautiful journey of life. After battling with her own weight and body image from a young age, Kaya embarked on her own personal health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but more importantly, the mental weight she had been carrying with her for years. I can so relate. So recently named one of Cowgirl Magazine's 2023 Top 30 Under 30, Coach Kaya uses her vulnerability and infectious energy to show others how to overcome hardships and become the main characters in their own lives. Kaya, welcome to the show. And we'll leave links to all the places where you guys can find Kaya in the show notes. But Kaya has been on Good Morning America. Her story's been on the Kelly Clarkson show. Um, women's health, you are going to want to go to her website and and listen to her speak and hear snippets of her keynote. It is so incredible. So I think a good place to start and jump in, Kaya, is when people hear she lost 100 pounds, over 100 pounds. It's like this enormous achievement. And as somebody who, I mean, a lot of our listeners are business owners like me. And when you start a business, for me anyway, it was just another excuse to throw all my self-care 
straight out the window. I'm too busy. I can't do that right now. Right. And so people are like this achievement. I've lost a hundred pounds. It's almost like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. And also I could never, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, that, I just, I just could never. And so but what I love about what you teach is how it's really about these tiny habits practiced daily that we actually stick with these baby steps that made your journey possible and that make it possible for others. So could you elaborate more about like your journey, your story, and like the baby steps that helped you along the way? Yes, absolutely. You know, I want us to flash back together to 2018 because that's really where the story kind of begins for me. So at the time I was living in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, and I was working full-time as the director of consumer affairs for the Kentucky Beef Council. So you heard my bio, I grew up on a cattle ranch. I've always been involved in agriculture and I really started my career in agriculture communications. I love being someone that tells stories that kind of is that bridge between the gap of people that produce food and those of us who consume it. And while I was at that job, I enjoyed it. I loved the people. I was learning so much. The experiences were so fun. I was in charge of our advertising campaigns, doing all of our social media marketing. I was the one that did the morning news segments saying like, all right, folks, here's two ground beef recipes you can use for Super Bowl (laughs) Sunday. And I got a ton of, you know, media training and I learned so much in that job. But I grew up in California. And so Kentucky was so far away from home for me. And after I graduated from college at UC Davis, I moved to Germany for a year and then straight to Kentucky afterwards. And so in that season of my life, I was really, really homesick. And I knew at that job, I was like, okay, I I enjoy this job, but I know this isn't my forever place. I know that what I'm craving is the freedom and flexibility that comes with being an entrepreneur. I want to be able to decide how often and when I get to go home and see my family. My oldest niece was born the week I moved to Kentucky. And so it was that feeling of like, I'm missing their childhood. They don't really know me that well because I'm only home a couple of times a year. And so I knew that I wanted something different. I wanted something more. And that's when I kind of dove into this thinking about, okay, what could it look like for me to become an entrepreneur? What would it look like for me to start a business? What skill sets and passions do I have that I can really translate into revenue? How can I add value to people? And on the evenings after work, my husband, well, my boyfriend at the time, um, started teaching me how to use design software on my computer. He was self-taught and he just kind of showed me how to use Adobe Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop. And I've always been someone that's pretty naturally creative. And I started making graphic designs and logos for small businesses, a lot of which were farms and ranches and agriculture in Kentucky and all around the country, just friends, family, and people that I knew. And that was my first side hustle. So I started this side hustle with my boyfriend at the time and it was called Burley and Barley. And it was Burley because he grew up on a Burley tobacco farm and Barley because on our cattle ranch, we also had Barley. So it was this like nod to our agriculture roots. And we started doing this in the evenings. Now, as I was doing this, I started listening to business podcasts and binge listening to people like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield and Rachel Hollis. And it kind of opened up my world to not only business and entrepreneurship, but also personal development. And I remember going on a trip from Kentucky to Arizona for the Ag Media Summit. And as I went to the airport at the time, I was someone who existed in a larger body as I had most of my life. As you heard, I am someone who struggled with my weight and my body image for a really long time. And when I went to the airport, I went to the bookstore and I picked up this book that I just happened to see everybody raving about at the time. And I was like, okay, I'll grab something to read. And I go to get on the airplane and I go to sit in my seat and I squeeze my butt in this middle seat and I go to buckle my seatbelt and it doesn't fit. And I had this moment of just like 
just pure shame wash over me and embarrassment and thinking like, oh my gosh, I've never had to ask for a seatbelt extender before. And the only thing I could do not to burst into tears in that moment was to shove my face in this book that I had just bought. And at the time I was someone who bought books, but I wasn't really someone who read them. Like I just collected them on my bedside table to look like I was really well read, but I had nothing else to do to distract me than just to, to put my face in this book and start reading it. And the book was Rachel Hollis's book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And that moment was really this pivotal moment for me in my personal development and entrepreneur journey. And there was one thing that really jumped off the pages at me that day. And it was this conversation of ownership. It was the idea that your life is a result of the choices that you make. And if it was your choices that got you here, wherever here is then the most life-giving thing you can realize is that it gets to be your choices that are going to get you somewhere else. And it was this realization of, oh my goodness, I have been playing such a victim in my life in all the ways. I played a victim to my genetics, thinking there's no way I can be healthy because I was born this way. I played a victim to my full-time job thinking I'm never going to be able to have time to take care of myself or build a business if I'm working this nine to five. I played a victim to my finances thinking I didn't have the money to afford fancy gym memberships or you know what all these things were. And I realized in that moment that I'd been giving away all of my power to everyone and everything outside of me. And it was that moment where I really like, it really stuck with me that like, I want something different in my life, in my career, in my health. And today's the day I'm going to start making different choices. And so my journey into bettering my health actually ran parallel with my journey of building my business. And so for those that are maybe listening and thinking, I don't have time to take care of myself because of my business or vice versa, I want to empower you to realize that both can exist together really, really well. And you mentioned baby steps, you know, Rachel Hollis was kind of like my gateway into personal development. And she had launched this thing called her last 90 days challenge. And the idea behind it was the last three months of the year, instead of throwing it away to the holidays, what if we decided to end the last 90 days really, really strong by just doing five simple habits? And I'm going to try to remember all of them. It was wake up one hour earlier for yourself, drink half your body weight in ounces of water every day. Give up one food that doesn't bless your body, write 10 things you're grateful for every single day and move your body in some way for 30 minutes. And so I told myself, you know what, Kaya, maybe instead of doing like the fad diet thing, like I've tried and failed a million times before, what if I just committed to five habits and saw what happened? And I used that one hour in the morning, not only to move my body, but to also start working on my business. And it was so phenomenal because what I realized was after that 90 days, I lost 25 pounds through the holidays, but it wasn't even the weight that mattered the most. It was me rebuilding trust with myself, becoming the kind of person who says she's going to do what she does and really being able to create these building blocks, these simple building blocks that for the first time in my life come January 1 that next year, I didn't feel like I was going to be setting these empty promises to myself. I had already built this foundation of habits that set me on a really powerful trajectory to not only you know fast forward, lose 100 pounds in a year, but to also build a business that I ended up taking full time in 2019. Oh my gosh. I wish the um, listeners could see me just like nodding my head over here when I listen to your story. Thank you for sharing that with me. Like I just see so many parallels and I've never really talked about this before. So why not do it on a podcast publicly? Right. But I have lost 30 pounds recently. Mm-hmm. And when I hear you speak for me, like the seatbelt moment in the airport, for me, it was like, I saw a photo of myself at my daughter's birthday and I was like, what? <laughs> 
is that me? And it just really like shook me and talking about like being the victim and not, you know, it was all that for me. Like I'm a mom, I have a business, Mm -hmm. I'm busy, Mm -hmm. right? So I don't have time to buy healthy food or I don't have time to plan my meals. I don't have time to cook healthy, right? Like all these things, like I so relate to all these excuses that, you know, really flood in and kind of like tell you that it's not possible for you because Mm -hmm. of this or that, you know? And so it's just so powerful for me to hear that from somebody else that somebody else has gone through, you know, something like that as well. And just that to feel into that power of your choices, right? I've really had moments Mm -hmm. where I'm like, well, why can't I, right? And when you're talking about entrepreneurship, you really get to this point where it's like, yes, I can, you know, not eat all day and then like binge at night and I can like never stand up from my desk and I can forget to drink water and I can do all these things in the name of growing my business. But eventually like what happened to me is I just hit a wall where I was like, actually, I can't do anything at the sacrifice of my health. Like this is not going to work, you know? So talking about that, you know, in that same vein, like for business owners specifically, I know you talked about those habits that got you started. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you have any other like baby step suggestions, right? For someone listening to this, like, I am very busy. I am in the thick of this business. I just feel like I can't, you know, what are some Mm. baby steps that you have? (laughs) Ooh, absolutely. Let's talk about it. Before I share some tangible baby steps that I think could be really, really helpful, especially for entrepreneurs, I want to share a visual that I found to be really, really powerful when understanding my own personal development that I think will, will maybe resonate with some of your listeners too. I'm someone who loves to talk in pictures. It just helps me understand better. The way I like to think about pursuing any type of goal in life, whether it's starting a business, making your first $100,000, making a million dollars, whether it's losing 100 pounds, whether it's losing 30 pounds, whatever it is, I feel like when we set these big goals for ourselves, it feels like you're standing at the base of a mountain and you're looking up from the base at the peak that just seems so impossibly far away, right? And you're standing there thinking, there is no way in heck that I have the strength, the endurance to ever make it to the top. It feels impossible. And sometimes to make it worse, not only is it this huge daunting mountain, but there's also this cloud of fog that's covering the mountain. So not only does the tippy top feel so far away, but when we look at how to get there, we can't even see it. It's unclear. It's clouded. It's foggy. We aren't even sure what the steps are going to take. And I think that that in itself stops so many of us in our tracks and stops us from even pursuing or even attempting to get closer to the goal because it feels too big. But what I understand about the fog is that if you bring your gaze down from the peak, bring your gaze down from wherever that big goal is and look at where your feet are planted. All you need to know is what the next step is. Because if you take one step into the fog, you can see just enough to see where your next foot's going to land. And then you can see just enough to see where your next foot's going to land. And really when it comes to making big changes and transforming your life in whatever way that is, all you need to know is where that next foot is going to land to get started. And it's amazing what happens in the traction that builds and the momentum that happens once you just get into motion. And so what I would say for anybody that is wanting to establish a healthy habit, the first step, yes, get clear on where you want to go, what your big goal is. But I think the first step is really bringing that gaze down to where you're planted. I think a lot of us set goals and intentions from this place of perfection of like, okay, in order for me to be the healthiest version of myself, I need to completely cut out sugar. I need to work out at a gym for one hour a day. I need to all these things that might be well-intended, but are not actually meeting ourselves where we're currently at today. There is this really incredible book for anybody that has not read it yet called Atomic Habits by James Clear that I highly, highly, highly recommend that will be helpful for you as a business owner, be helpful for you when it comes to establishing healthy habits for your body, for your mind, for your soul. And it, it really breaks it down to habit 
formation, but also how to break bad habits because everything we do in our life is a habit. And I think the thing that gets in our way is that humans, we have this natural tendency to overestimate what we can accomplish in a week and drastically underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. We want to see progress happen fast so badly. We want that instant gratification. And so when a lot of us start practicing these healthy habits, first of all, we might be trying to do really big habits, not meeting ourselves where we're at. So not only are we getting burnt out, but after doing it for a few days and really white knuckling our way through it, we aren't seeing the progress happen fast enough. And so we decide that it's not working at all and we give up. But if we can commit to a small intention, something that takes even less than five minutes, and your brain's going to have that resistance of saying, Kaya, what is five minutes of walking going to do for me? What is five minutes of reading a book going to do for me? It's not about the five minutes. It's about establishing the habit in the first place that you can build off of. And that is the power of baby steps. There's this visual that I sometimes like to draw of a ladder, two ladders side by side. And one of the ladders has these really far away rungs up the ladder. And then the next ladder has a a bunch of tiny little rungs really close together. And if you have a ladder that has a few really big rungs, it's going to take so much energy just to get from one to the next that you're not going to make it to the top. But if you honor those slow, small baby steps, they're actually attainable and achievable and reachable. And you can make so much traction by being willing to start small and keep it simple because that's what's going to be able to create consistency. So I would say as a business owner, maybe it's your health that you want to take better care of this year. The first thing I want you to ask yourself is what does a normal day right now look like for you? And how can you up-level it one, 1% better, just 1% better? If you're someone who is currently stagnant, like you don't move your body in any way, how can you add five minutes of movement? How can you start really, really small? Something that's so attainable that you have less of that mental drama resisting doing it in the first place. Because if we can get in the habit of just doing something over nothing, it'll be easier to build on that habit than saying, I'm going to go from sitting on the couch all day to going to the gym one hour a day. There's a lot of resistance that happens between those two. So if we can remove that resistance, I think it really helps us really establish long-lasting habits, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh, it makes total sense. I'm just thinking of, I don't think I did this on purpose, but like habits... Like in my own life, I was like, I really like to drink water when I have a straw. I'm going to add a straw to my my tumbler and drink water first thing in the morning. Like um, what's some other ones? I want to stretch before bed, like just little like things like that. And so one thing that's really helped me with like tiny habits and baby steps and things is to write them down and kind of track Mm. them. Do you recommend Mm -hmm. that? Or did you, do you do that pen to paper? Yeah. Tell me more about that. I'm, I'm so glad you asked because I will share a link that you can put in your show notes for a free habit tracker download because I am so with you, Jenny. Our brain likes reward, right? And it might seem silly, but like think back to when you were a little kid, getting a gold star on something, just getting a sticker and a star was a reward. And to me and a lot of people being able to check something off of a list is enough of a reward to your brain that's going to help incentivize you to continue doing it. I think that habit tracking is so, so helpful. And that's actually how I started my journey with the five simple habits when I got going, because it's also giving you a visual representation of data. Now, I think that tracking things and habits can be harmful if we use it as a place for shame. And I really want you to approach personal development, even business, not from a place of shame, but just a place of compassionate understanding. And I love talking about compassionate curiosity. How can you be loving towards yourself and just curious about why these things keep happening? Why are struggling with certain things instead of getting mad and frustrated of, see, I knew I couldn't do it. See, I can never be consistent. When you get to the end of a week, and let's say you've only checked off one box for your habit, 
instead of shaming yourself for all the empty boxes, all the habits you didn't follow through with, let's celebrate the one and ask, how can I double that next week? How can I just do a little bit better? But yes, habit tracking is huge. And putting that tracker somewhere where you see it every day, maybe it's on your fridge, maybe you have a little bulletin board by the house, um, maybe it's by your bedside table, somewhere where you can see it as a reminder to you of like, oh yeah, these are the intentions that I'm setting for myself today. And giving your brain that little reward of being able to check something off can be so, so powerful. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. We'll definitely link to the healthy habits tracker in the show notes too. I actually downloaded it. I love it. (laughs) So I just love this idea too, because it's so often, like if you set a goal, like an income goal, if you're an entrepreneur or a weight loss goal, you know, Mm -hmm. for health, I feel like we get so like focused on this goal that we you know, you feel bad if you don't hit it or you just, Mm, just, mm -hmm. it's good to have that angle in mind, but I have really found that I love more like setting goals around the process. Like, like you're saying, like, what are the steps? Like my goal is to walk for a half hour, five days a week, or my goal Mm -hmm. is to, you know, pitch three clients a week or whatever it is. And just like, those kind of tiny process goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what yeah. I just love that approach because it just seems like you can check them off, like you said, and it just feels more doable, you know? I totally agree. And I also will say too, when it comes to setting any type of goal, I want you guys to set the goal, but I want you to ask yourself why, mm-hmm. why this goal? Because I think that a lot of us, myself included here, sometimes we fall prey to what is known in psychology as the arrival fallacy. And I think all of us experience it in some way, but the way that I used to hear it was, I sometimes also like to call it the lie of once. And to me, it used to sound like I will finally love myself once I lose the weight. I will finally be happier once I can fit into a certain size. I will finally feel successful once I make it a certain amount of money. I will finally feel secure once I can own the home. Whatever that once is, I think a lot of us put all this emphasis and weight into this achieving of a goal. We think that everything we want is on the other side of the goal. And when I thought about my weight loss journey, I had that story for most of my life that everything I wanted was on the other side of a number on a scale. And what I came to realize was that the reason I wanted to lose weight wasn't because of weight loss itself. The reason I wanted to lose weight was because I wanted to love myself. I wanted to feel confident in my skin. I wanted to feel more energy. I wanted to just be more compassionate towards myself. And what I realized was I could do all of those things without losing a single pound. I didn't have to wait to try to embody those things in my life until once I achieved something, but they were actually things I needed to embrace and embody as part of that journey. Like you're saying, it's so much more about the journey than it is the end goal. And I think we need to get clear on why we want to set some of those goals and intentions for ourselves. There are some people that talk about, think of the who, not how. So instead of how do I achieve this goal, ask yourself, who do I need to be in order to make this goal a reality in my life? And I think thinking about things that way is so, so helpful because I think that when we're, we believe that what we want is on the other side of an accomplishment, but who we need to be is what needs to change in order to make that a reality. So for example, I kind of had this idea of, okay, I'll be an active person once I lose the way to reach the goal. But instead I had to learn how, okay, for me today, right now, where I was almost 300 pounds, how do I become an active person right now in order to get me towards that goal? And I realized that I could become someone who was self-accepting, someone who spoke to herself kinder, someone who moved her body, who nourished herself well, not after I reached the goal, but in pursuit of that goal. And it's more about 
becoming so in love with the process and the journey of life, that's where the magic happens. Because guess what happens after that goal is achieved. You're still the same person with the same brain, with the same life. And in that study for a rival fallacy that psychologists did, they studied Olympic athletes and they studied movie stars on how their mental state was before and after achieving the, like, the pinnacle of their career, which would be like a gold medal or an Oscar or a Grammy or whatever that was. And they actually found that those people who achieved that goal had worse mental health after than beforehand because they thought that everything was going to change after they achieved the goal. But it's not about the goal. It's about who you become in the process of pursuing it. Oh my gosh, for sure. I feel that so much. It's like you can build this incredible business or like you said, be able to run a marathon. But if you can reach that goal and still have like being a victim to your circumstances or not having that self-compassion for yourself mm-hmm. and you kind of get there and you're like, you know, it's almost like, well, what's the point if you're not yeah. like loving the journey and loving yourself mm-hmm. and becoming right? It's kind of that journey is, you know, it's cheesy is the goal. That's so wonderful. Today's episode is brought to you by Not Your Mama's Newsletters. This is a monthly or yearly email newsletter template subscription. It's $8 a month. You get weekly email newsletter prompts and templates, each with a clear goal, call to action, example, fill-in-the-blank customizable template, a prompt if you're someone who just needs an idea to get started and don't want to do the whole template, and five subject line options to choose from for each newsletter. So every template is super customizable for your niche. We have photographers, designers, podcast managers, coaches, course creators, product creators, brick and mortar shop owners, and all kinds of other industries inside the membership, all using our templates. Every template inside Not Your Mom's Newsletters helps you present your offers and sell them to your subscribers. And equally important, just really serve the heck out of your email list and build an email community people look forward to being a part of in the easiest, least time-consuming way possible for you, of course. (laughs) Along with that, you also get weekly social media caption templates that are made to help you grow your list. You get quarterly email sequence templates like welcome sequences, Black Friday sequences, sales sequences, etc. You get a monthly Q&A call with me and a copy audit so you can bring something you're writing or working on for your business right now and I'll go over it with you and give you feedback and suggestions and ideas and access to all our past materials and templates. If you're interested in email newsletter template membership, you can find Not Your Mama's Newsletters at my website, which is JennyRothCopywriting.com and I'll also have the link in the show notes. (laughs) One thing I love just hearing you speak and how you use your platform is you really infuse like health with self-compassion, right? And you talk a lot about how, you know, oh, my genetics, oh, this, you know, all these things that we can put on top of ourselves and say, like, this is why this will never be possible for me. And you really Mm -hmm. come in and talk about like, you know, kind of reframing those things and self-compassion. And maybe I know you've shared a lot of this already in our conversation, but just how can we start extending more of that, like self-compassion to ourselves as business owners so that we Mm. can build our health journey and our companies at the same time? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question because I think that so much of our lives is a result of what is going on with ourselves mentally. And I guess speaking for myself here, but I feel like maybe speaking for our whole generation is that growing up, I didn't learn about mental health really that I can remember. I didn't learn about how our thoughts shape our lives. I didn't learn how important all of these things were. And I think our society is so focused on optics and things that we can see that we might be missing the more important piece, which is what's going on in our heads. What are the 
repetitive thoughts that we carry with us every single day. I think that bringing awareness back to where we're at mentally is the beautiful first step. There's this book that John Acuff wrote called Soundtracks that I think is so beautifully written. He's also hilarious. And I highly recommend it for people that are really wanting to dive deeper into this mindset thought work. Because there is this this understanding that it's really at the root of it. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. But the way that it works is in our life, there are circumstances, right? Circumstances are the things that are just the facts of the world that are completely out of our control. So that could be, for example, your genetics. That's just a fact of your DNA, right? You don't have any, it's not your thoughts or opinions about it. It's just a fact. Where you currently live is a circumstance. Family you're born into is a circumstance. The numbers in your bank account is a circumstance. The number on a scale is a circumstance. Circumstances cannot affect us until we have a thought about them, whatever those sentences are that run through our minds. And those thoughts are what create the emotions and feelings in our body. And those emotions and feelings in our body are what inspires what we do or don't do to create our results. And I think most of us are taught growing up that if you want something, you just need to work hard for it. If you want to lose weight, just do these things to get there. If you want to make money, just do these things to get there. And we aren't taught the thinking and the feeling piece. A lot of us know the how. We know how to eat healthier. We know how to move our bodies. We know how to do the things. What we struggle with is why we aren't actually showing up and doing the things that we know to do, right? It's not necessarily that we don't know how, it's that we don't know why we aren't doing the how that we already know. And that all comes back to what are you thinking? What are the thoughts that come up about yourself? What are the thoughts that come up about your abilities as a business owner? Are they those victim thoughts? Are they those self-shaming thoughts? And if that's what's going on, first, we need to get aware of what those thoughts are because our thoughts completely dictate the rest of our life. For me, what that looked like was beginning that thought journey, that thought work by journaling. I realized that I had no idea what my repetitive thoughts are. There were things that were just so habitual and they felt so true to me that I had never even thought to question, is that actually true? Or is it something that I just believe is true because I've thought it for so long? And journaling was a beautiful, simple practice for me to really extract what is going on with me mentally? How can I literally create space between myself and the thoughts that are in my brain? And for me, writing things on paper, I could really look at what was going on in my brain and say, oh, that's not actually true. I've just been thinking it for so long. It feels true. How can I change the story? How can I change the narrative? And I think when it comes to really our mental health and establishing new thoughts about ourselves and being compassionate towards us in life and business and health and all the ways, it comes back to baby steps. I'll use an example from when I started my health journey. When I really got honest with myself about what was going on in my head, when I looked in the mirror in the morning, the thoughts that I had about myself were things that I would never, ever, ever say to another person. They were things like, you're gross. You're ugly. I can't believe you've let yourself get this way. You're such a failure. No one could love you in a body like this. These were the thoughts that were coming up for me every single day. And I was trying to use self-shame as a motivator for me to change my life. And it self-shame is not ever a long-term solution. But I realized that that conversation was awful. And I knew that, you know, especially in this world we live in now of body positivity and self-acceptance and self-love, I wish it was as easy as saying, you know, just look in the mirror and say you love yourself. Like, I wish that it was that simple. But I realized the same thing. I had to bring my gaze down from the goal, which was loving myself, no matter what my body looked like. I had to meet myself where I was at. And I knew that I couldn't go from, I hate myself and my body to, I love myself overnight. I had to meet myself where I was at. And a beautiful place to start for me was starting with gratitude. It was being able to look in the mirror and saying, okay, I know I don't love the way I look and feel right now in this body, but 
I have a body. And even just neutralizing the thoughts, neutralizing the emotions that we feel about it was a powerful first step because saying I have a body, it didn't feel great, but it didn't feel bad or self-hating. And that was the first step. And once I could neutralize the way I felt about myself, I could say, okay, I have a body and I'm actually really grateful that I have these strong legs that get me out of bed in the morning. I might not love the way that my arms look and jiggle, but these are the arms that embrace the people I love every single day. And I'm so, so grateful for them. And really being able to change my thoughts after having the awareness of them with small baby steps was huge, huge, huge and paramount to me really not only healing my physical body, but maybe even more importantly, my mental and emotional body. Wow. You are the second person in like a matter of two weeks to have recommended that soundtracks book. So I'm going to take that as a sign for the universe that we'll link that in the show notes and everyone, especially me, should read it. That's so cool. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just keep thinking like, I've just recently started paying attention to my thoughts and isn't it Mm -hmm. just like you said, isn't it wild to actually pay attention to your thoughts and the stories that run through your head? I like consider myself like kind of a positive person. But when I actually paid attention to the stories, like you said, the things I was saying about myself, mm-hmm. I was like horrified. I was like, who, what is this? Like, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. You'll never, you know, just on and on. And so mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that about recognizing your thoughts and kind of checking in with yourself. Like, is this true? Or mm-hmm. is this just a story in my head? And it's totally. just so wild. Yeah. So one thing I sometimes still struggle with is I'm doing really good, right? I've got my baby steps. I'm tracking my habits. I'm paying attention to my thoughts. If something comes into my head, like, oh, you can't be a good mom and a business owner and healthy at the same time. No one has mm-hmm. time for that. Like checking that stuff and seeing if it's true. Something that I still struggle with is that if I will fall off the wagon, I guess, I don't know how else you say, like if I mm-hmm. will have a bad day or a bad meal or a bad week or whatever, you know, those feelings of self-shame. And so I know mm-hmm. we kind of talk a little bit about that, but I'm wondering if you could elaborate more about, you know, kind of throwing out the perfectionism in it all and mm-hmm. just what to do if you get off track. Yeah. Ooh, I love this. And I know so many people struggle with this. I mean, myself included. And I think something that I just like to encourage, and this is the way that I have come to talk about it, is learning how to make space for your humanness. I think it's so much easier for us to give other people grace for making mistakes, yet we hold ourselves to such a high, unrealistic, impossible standard that learning how to really bring that self-compassion into whatever it is that we're doing in life, just to make space for our humanness and know that I am going to mess up. I am going to get it wrong. And that doesn't mean I'm wrong or broken. It means I'm a human. It means I'm a normal human being. You know, I know people have shared in the past this visual of, I know a lot of us have that all or nothing mentality of like, okay, I'm doing really, really good. And then I, you know, I eat the thing that I quote unquote shouldn't have eaten, or I missed the workout or whatever it is. And they say, listen, if you're driving and you pop one of your tires, you shouldn't grab a knife and go and slash the rest (laughs) of your tires, right? Like you just fix the one tire. And I think that thinking about it that way, it's like, well, duh, of course you wouldn't do that. Yet we do it so often when it comes to our habits. We're like, well, there goes my perfect streak. And I think that it's really, really helpful for us to learn how to increase our elasticity. So what I mean by that is you're going to fail. Okay. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to get it wrong. In fact, everyone that's listening to this podcast, I hope that this year you fail more than you ever have failed before. And I know that sounds really freaking weird to say, but trying anything new, growing in any way is going to have failure, making mistakes, quote unquote, falling off the wagon as part of the process. And instead of really thinking about failure as this end point, I want you to think about these as growth points. And instead of allowing this failure, this event, this missing or whatever loss in your streak is that kind of makes you want to throw in the towel on everything, I want you to think, 
how can I increase my elasticity to bounce back from this? Because a lot of us, we fall off the wagon and instead of bouncing back, we let the rubber band just snap in half. Or we might get off the wagon and then we wait a couple months before we talk ourselves back into getting back on the wagon. Or what my story used to be is I would fail, quote unquote fail. And to me, failing used to be, you know, eating something I shouldn't have, like eating a cookie or eating whatever it is. And then I would shame myself for eating the cookie and getting it wrong. And then to console myself in that self-shame, I would eat food for comfort. And so it became this vicious cycle. And so instead of quote unquote falling off the wagon and allowing it to let you go back into the shame spiral, how can you increase your elasticity to bounce back and just hop back on? And I think it comes back to the way that we speak to ourselves and taking ownership and saying, okay, I fell off of this streak today. Okay. I missed my morning workout because my kid was sick. And you might notice the thoughts come up of like, oh my gosh, here you are. This is the beginning of it. You missed your workout. You're a failure. And saying, I missed my workout today and that's okay. Today, my priority was to take care of my sick child and that's all right. Tomorrow, I can get back to my normal habits. And really being mindful of the conversations that we're having is so, so huge. And I think it's actually John Acuff, that same author of Soundtracks. He talks about, no, maybe it's Atomic Habits. They talk about never missing twice because once you miss your habit twice, you're automatically starting a new habit of not doing the thing. And so making space for that humanness, saying I messed up and the win is actually going to be that I'm going to get back up afterwards. Thank you for that. I think another question I want to ask you before we wrap up with just our fun rapid fire questions is when we talk about weight loss and health journey, obviously the scale and the number on the scale is kind of where everyone goes right away, right? Like thinking about that. And I'm just curious if you have additional ways our listeners or any business owner can track their health and their well-being without being like so hyper-focused on the weight, like what health goals can we set that don't involve weight? Love this question so much. So, you know, when I started my health journey, I was very weight focused as a lot of us are. We're conditioned to be weight focused in our society. And a lot of us have been inundated since the day we were born with diet culture, right? We've really been conditioned to think about our bodies as problems to be solved. And around every corner, there is a diet that's claiming to have the solution. And a lot of those solutions are weight-based solutions. And so I just want to hold compassion for anybody that's listening to this that has struggled or maybe is still struggling with boiling down um, not only their health, but maybe even struggling with tying their worth to the scale. It's not your fault. We've been conditioned to feel this way. The diet industry is a almost $8 billion industry. And it's really, really affected, especially the way that women feel about their body. So I just want to hold space with love for you. And I, as a result of this journey, it has really been a journey, not only of taking care of my health, but also removing myself from that diet culture mentality. Personally, in my opinion, I don't even think weight is necessarily the best indicator of health, right? People can lose weight for lots of different reasons. They can do it with healthy habits. They can also do it because they're sick and struggle with an eating disorder, or they have cancer, or they're malnourished. And so I think when our society puts so much emphasis on weight loss being celebrated, we can be unintentionally actually promoting unhealthy behaviors as a result. So when I think about how we can measure health, I actually encourage people to not focus on the scale as much. In fact, I have ditched the scale and I haven't weighed myself in probably a year and a half besides at the doctor's office. And it has been a very freeing thing for me to really learn how to tune into my body for signals of health instead of just focusing on weight. So some ways that I like to do that is I think tracking habits is really helpful and just thinking about habitualizing health promoting behaviors. So one way that I do that is what's my water intake, right? Our body is mostly consumed of water and I am just going to go ahead and like 
make a generalization that most of us are probably dehydrated. And so how can you really start working on your water intake, making sure that you're getting, you know, one of the rules of thumb I've heard is half your body weight in ounces of water, but just increasing your water intake as general is great. So that's one way to increase your health. Another is tracking your sleep quality. Sleep is so, so huge. And I know as business owners and as mamas out there, sometimes sleep is the first thing that goes when you have to prioritize everything else in your life. But sleep is so, so important. Not only does it help manage our hunger cues, which you know ties back into our weight, if that's something you're working on, but it affects our cognitive functioning. It affects the way that our body heals, our immune system. So really celebrating sleep and prioritizing sleep is a great way to increase your health this year. Stress levels. How are you managing stress? What are the ways that you are doing that? Maybe that's with movement. Maybe it's time with friends. Maybe it's time for a daily walk, but stress is so, so huge. That's a way that you can kind of track and measure some of your health nourishment. I think that when a lot of us think about eating healthier, we think about what do I need to remove from my diet? And I'm not a registered dietitian and I absolutely defer to them in all the ways and expertise. But from my understanding of working with a lot of different registered dietitians is when it comes to improving your nutrition, a lot of times the first question isn't what can I remove, but what can I add in? How can I eat more of a variety of meals? How can I have more colors on the plate? How can I introduce more fiber rich fruits and vegetables or high quality proteins? And so thinking about what you can add into your nutrition instead of removing, I think can be a really, really healthy way to approach a more nutritious food as well. Because in my experience, restriction is not a long-term solution and it can actually create some disordered eating as well. So those are just a few ways that you can think about health in a more holistic approach. I really have, it's it's interesting in my brand and as a coach has really shifted over the years, of course. And I think our businesses are meant to evolve and grow with us and mine absolutely has. I focus so much less now on weight. When I first started, it was before and after pictures all the time. And I haven't shared a before and after picture in years now, because to me, it's less about what you way and what you look like. And it's more about how you feel and how we can learn how to be in tune with our bodies. I love that so much. Thank you so much, Kaya. You've given us so many just good things to think about and just like tips for getting there. So before I let you go, I wanted to ask you three just for fun questions. That cool, we have let's do it. Yeah. So, okay. Number one, what is your favorite place on earth? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I'm going to say my family's pond at our cattle ranch. It's where I got married. It's where all my favorite family functions are growing up. Some of my fondest memories is at the pond at the ranch. So cool. And we talked about books already, but what is your favorite book if you can pick? (gasps) <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so hard. I'm like, which genre? Okay, I okay I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat. And I'm gonna give you a couple answers. Yeah. One of my goals for this year was actually to read less personal development books and learn how to just start reading more just for fun, just for fun. And the series that I just read, and I think it's got me into this whole new genre, like Lord help me, is the series A Court of Thorns and Roses. It is a steamy fantasy romance novel. And if you are into that stuff, I highly recommend because I'm hooked and like I binge read that series this year. And then another book that I'll recommend that is probably less well-known that is just so phenomenal. And it is a personal development book. It's called You're Already Awesome by Alison Faulkner. She is an amazing woman. But basically what I love about this book is that it's different than most personal development books because the premise of it is that there's actually nothing about you that needs to be fixed. And you're already awesome as you are. And she talks about 12 shifts that we can embrace and embody. And I think it's just so helpful for anybody as we apply it to our personal development journeys, our business journeys. I highly recommend. Thank you. Yeah, I asked that question so selfishly because I just want more book recommendations. (laughs) And last, what's your favorite sandwich? (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to say my favorite sandwich right now is called, it's at our local sandwich shop here. It's called the Ann Holm Holm. I don't, I don't remember. All I know is that it's, it is on what is called Dutch crunch bread. I don't know if you've ever had Dutch crunch bread. It's the best. It has this like rice flour, crusty, crunchy top on it. It's delightful. And this sandwich has like arugula and fig jam and roast beef and bacon and onions. And it's just like, I'm really hungry now. So thanks for asking. <laughs> it sounds incredible. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. oh, thank you so much, Kaya. Where can people find you? How can they work with you? Just share all the, all the things. Yeah. Well, if you are a podcast listener, which I take it, you are. I have a podcast of my own and Jenny actually has been a guest over there as well. It's called Climbing with Coach Kaya. So you can tune in to the show. It comes out every Wednesday. And then I'm also on Instagram. It's probably my favorite social media platform. I'm coach underscore Kaya, K-I-A-H. I'm on Facebook as Coach Kaya as well. And if you go to coachkaya.com, you can hop on my email list where I send you a weekly email on Wednesdays with a little inspiration, things that are bringing me joy, book recommendations, all the things. Oh, so cool. We'll definitely link all of that in the show notes. So thank you again so much for being here, Kaya. Thank you, Jenny. I so appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Above the Bar Copy. Every month I draw one winner who will get a free audit on a piece of copy of your choice. An email funnel, a sales page, a website page, you name it. I'll walk through it and send you a full video audit on the piece along with a Google Doc full of copy notes and suggestions you can implement. To enter this copy audit giveaway, leave a five-star positive review on the show and email me a screenshot of your review so I have your name and email and can notify you if you want. You can send that to hello at jennyrothcopywriting.com. 